Welcome to You Are Not A Goat. If you want to follow your passion and do what you love, this is the podcast for you. Without further ado, here's your host, Slimy Zions. Hello and welcome to You Are Not A Goat. My name is Shlomi Zayans, and I'm your host. Welcome back to the show. So this week, probably many of you are in quarantine, isolation. The world has been shut down. Stores are shut. Everything is closed, basically. And pretty much everyone is at home. I hope you're okay. I hope you're feeling well. I hope your family and friends are okay. And I am at home, too. Um, I'm in voluntary self-quarantine. That means that I have not come in contact with anybody who has the virus, thank God, so I don't need to be in quarantine. But I'm choosing to be in quarantine because I do not want to come in contact with anybody who has the virus. So doing what I think is right for my family. Um, in general, all over the world, lockdowns are being put in place for citizens of countries. So in Israel, there's a national lockdown right now. You're not supposed to leave your house. Um, in many countries in Europe, the situation is the same. South Africa, in India, and very likely coming to the United States very soon. So stay safe and please proceed with caution. Do whatever you can to avoid contact with other people. An important thing to note is that due to the coronavirus, we are getting many more listeners than we usually do. Uh, this goes true for both my YouTube channel and for the podcast. Uh, as you know, people are home. People do not have work. So they are spending more time consuming online content. In case you are new to this podcast... We have an introduction that explains what we try to do on the podcast. You can listen to that by going to the very first episode, which is called You Are Not a Goat Trailer, and you can understand exactly why we do this podcast and what we aim to achieve with this. However, if you do not end up going to listen to that introduction, I'm going to give you, in basically one sentence, I'm going to let you know what this podcast is all about. It would be a real shame for a person to reach the end of their life and realize that they lived their whole life doing what someone else wanted them to do. You know what I mean? It would be really sad if you realized that you wasted your whole life not doing what you loved and what made you happy, which is why we have this podcast where we talk to people usually or you know, as often as we can, sometimes once a week, sometimes once every two weeks, but we do these interviews with people who are doing what they love to do, following their passions, making themselves happy and fulfilled. Some of these people are business entrepreneurs, some of these people have been successful in other areas of life, and this week... We have a very interesting interview with a man named Dove Hykend, who is a former New York City assemblyman, uh, community activist, done a lot of good things for the Jewish community and the Jewish world. Uh, just a little side note, during the interview, he uses a lot of words that might only be understood by Jewish people. If you have any questions or you don't understand any word, try to Google it. You probably will get an explanation there. And if you, that doesn't work, send me a message on Twitter, on Instagram, on YouTube. You can send me an email at youarenotagoat at gmail.com. You can message me on Facebook. Get my attention. I will answer whatever question you have. And in general, I love hearing from you guys, feedback, criticism, comments, questions, whatever. So without further ado, let's get right into this interview. Today, we have a high-profile and very exciting guest 
former New York City Assemblyman and outspoken Jewish activist, Mr. Dov Heikend. Hello, Dov. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. A pleasure to be on. Can you tell me a little bit about your early life and how you got involved in politics? Well, my early life uh, uh, had nothing to do with politics. When I was uh, growing up, when I uh, first got married, uh, when I was about 25 years old, uh, going back to the 1970s, uh, getting involved in politics, running for office, anything like that, was uh, not even something that came up ever, ever. It was not something I ever thought about, it was interested in. I was involved in uh, the Jewish community. I was involved with the Jewish Defense League as a, as a young, uh, you know, uh, in my early 20s, uh, late teens, yeah. involved uh, fighting for, for Soviet jury, et cetera, et cetera. And it was only somebody who uh, came to me back in the 1970s and said to me, you know what, you could do all the good stuff that you're doing in terms of Jewish activism, you could do it as an elected official. And uh, that's how it all began for me. That's, the, you know, there was an open seat, an opportunity, the first two times I ran, I actually lost. I did very, very well, but I lost. And in 1982, <clears throat> I ran for the New York State Assembly uh, against an incumbent who was in office for five years. And uh, with Hashem's help and the community, uh, I was Matzliach. But it was purely I politics, being part of a club, all of that was never part of my life, never something that... Uh, uh, I was involved in. I didn't come, as they say, out of a club. I came straight out of Jewish activism, being involved fighting anti-Semitism in those days. Uh, and as I said, Soviet jury in particular, I, uh, <clears throat> I was arrested many, many times at the Soviet mission, chaining myself to the Soviet mission. And it may not sound like a big deal, but in those days, uh, you know, being a yeshiva bacher and with my background, the idea of someone being arrested for a Jewish cause was uh, really unheard of, uh, except back in the 1950s when Jews got arrested uh, in the civil rights movement in the South. Uh, but So that's where I began, got involved in politics, uh, got elected in 82, started it in January of 83, and then the next 36 years, I think, to a pretty large extent, I did exactly what my my Kafkid was from the very beginning. Besides helping people in my office, serving people, doing for people, which was always the most important thing to me. But beyond that, it was to be there for the Jewish community, be it in, uh, in New York, in America, in Israel, whatever, even beyond that. It was to stand up. It was not to be afraid to speak out, not to look at labels. You know, I'm a Democrat. I can't criticize another Democrat. You know, it... it my derech, my, the way that I did things going back in my very young years, mm -hmm. uh, before I was married, when I first got married, I, I think as an elected official to a great extent, you know, the greatest compliment that people can pay me and Baruch Hashem, it's nice to hear, is that I'm, you know, thank you for being there for the Jewish people. Thank you for caring so much. And the truth is I do. I, I truly do. Especially in light of the fact that my, you know, when you have parents uh, who actually went through the Holocaust, right. my mother went to Auschwitz in 1944, 
you know, when, when you don't have grandparents because they were murdered, only because they were Jews. That was the crime they committed, okay? So it was part of my DNA that how could I not be there? How could I not try to do everything humanly possible? How could I... I remember in my early years in JDL, my mother, of blessed memory, she was always so concerned. She went through so much. And then she saw me out there taking risks, basically. And she always used to say to me, you know, uh, why, you know, why you? You know, why are you doing it? She was very, very concerned. I said, Ma, you went through so much and so many people were not there for, for Klaus Yisrael during the Holocaust. How could you ask me that? How could I not be there for other people uh, who are in trouble or having difficulty, uh, especially our people, of course? Yeah. And so that's, you know, kudos to you. Much appreciation. I, I remember as a child, forgive me for saying this, but I remember always hearing you on the radio and, and there were times that I saw you the once there was the... Uh, there were the barriers on Fort Hamilton Parkway that you wanted to have them. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I, I just I, remember, I remember I, thinking Dove Hikend is always screaming about something. But in hindsight, I realized there's a lot of stuff that needs to be, someone needs to scream about it. Yeah, unfortunately, look, there's a time to be quiet. There's a time to be not so quiet. And there is also a time to really do what needs to be done. And I think if people were to think, you know, what does Hashem want? Is Hashem going to be angry with me that I confronted Rashida Tlaib recently, right, with her blood libel? I mean, if people would just think, what does the Grish Baruch want? Not to worry about what their neighbors or friends, you know, oh, how is it going to look? Is it Baal You know, you got to do what, what Hashem wants you to do. And often it's not so complicated. It's not so complicated. You know, uh, there's a time to, to, to really stand up and be tough and strong. And I think, you know, making the decisions as to when to do that is really what it's all about. And uh, I think pretty much, you know, people can disagree with me. That's perfectly fine. I never lose any sleep over that. Uh, but, yeah. you know, you've got to be there. You've got to be there. You know, we go through difficult challenges, difficult times especially what happened the past year, you know. It's funny that the coronavirus uh, sort of dealt a blow. You know, the, uh, the epidemic of corona, the virus, uh, sort of temporarily dealt with the virus of anti-Semitism, you know. And that, no, but so far, right? I mean, crime is down in general. Who has time to commit crimes? Everybody's so nervous. And, uh, even the criminals are nervous. Even right, the anti-Semites are nervous. Exactly. And, you know, look, there's a, a certain amount of uh, stuff that goes on even now with, you know, Jews being blamed for the coronavirus. I mean, it's amazing. You know, when we talk about a scapegoat, you know, and, and Jews are always a scapegoat. If you need someone to blame, it's always the Jews. I mean, I, I point out to people, you know, you know, first of all, let me just say that the last year since I left office has been the busiest year of my life, actually. I never imagined that I'd be so busy. I, I, I've done more interviews. I've done more. It, it's like not even today, earlier today with a national program, even with coronavirus. But my point is that there is, you know, it's been a tough, tough year for the Jewish people. Right. 
you know, a lot of fear, a lot of fear about the future. We never had this before. You know, we Jews, especially in Haredi neighborhoods, you know, we're in Gullis, there's going to be anti-Semitism. You know, when someone slapped you in the face, you thank HaKadosh Baruch they only slapped you, they didn't stab you, they didn't, you know, that's sort of an attitude that we have. Uh, but we never saw anything like the past year. This is a whole new phenomenon. And people, you know, within all of these communities, re Jewish religious communities, I never heard so often the question, whether Williamsburg, whether Borough Park, are we living in a pre-Nazi era? I can't tell you how many emails and people just in general raising that. Even writers in uh, even, uh, what is her name, uh, Barry Weiss wrote the book on how to fight anti-Semitism, yeah. who's an editor of the New York Times. Even in her book, she raises this thing that people are concerned about. So it just goes to show you, you know, you know what, what is Hashem's plan? Look at Corona. Look what happened here. Look how, the, look how you know, if we don't learn lessons from all of this, because we as Jews, nothing happens just by accident. If something happens, we need to examine it, we need to understand it, we need to look inward, each and every one of us, in our own way. You know, we, you know, we need to be honest with ourselves in terms of, like, what am I doing wrong? You know, maybe a little too much Lashon Hara, maybe a little too much jealousy, maybe a little too much Rechilis, maybe being too judgmental of other people. Yeah. Right? That's a trait I think you find so much in our community. Everybody's an expert on what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants. Uh, and now suddenly we're faced with Corona. I mean, my goodness gracious. I mean, it's beyond anything that any of us have ever seen in our lifetime. Right? But listen, at the end of the day, what my parents went through, obviously, you know, was much, much worse. You know, when people are so not used to this predicament that we are in now, we should remember that our grandparents, great-grandparents, went through much, much worse. Much, much worse. Yeah. And, and, and you know, the difficult... Precisely. Exactly. So, you know, we have to look at things, and, and we have to be there for each other. That's one of the most important things. You know, there's a Bein Adam Liadam, Bein Adam Lomakam, and both are equally important. And I, I would even say, not that I, uh, I'm the expert, but I would even say that HaKadosh Baruch Hu would say to us, I'm Michael, you a little bit my covet, be there for each other. I, I have a feeling that HaKadosh Baruch Hu would say that. Be there for each other, care for each other, you know, uh, help each other. Uh, so we have to keep that in mind, you know, the Ben Adam Liadam, so, so important. You know, it, we, it's in big ways and it's in little ways. You know, even you know, saying hello to people in the morning, good morning. Can you imagine if everybody said good morning to people as they walk by, you know, what a good feeling it would create in a community. You know, I mean, there's so many things that we can do a little better, all of us, including myself. Wow. Thank you for your insight on that. Now, let me ask you something else. You know, from, from December... Uh... Probably before that, yeah, it was before that. From like the summer, this past summer, until somewhere mid-January, there was a crazy outburst of anti-Semitic incidents, violent anti-Semitic incidents. People were, were killed in synagogues and in grocery stores, Jewish people. Um, and then all of a sudden, it seemed to have petered off and gone away for the most part. Number one, is that assumption correct? Number two, why do you think it happened like that? So I, uh, it is very, very difficult to uh, uh, tell you uh, anything concrete with regard to that. 
because until after the we went through a year of absolute horror, unprecedented attacks day in and day out. Right. And, and, and then we had two other events that were very dramatic. You had Jersey City and you had Muncie. Those, it took those two incidents, it took Jewish blood being spilled here in the tri-state area for, for government to react in a little bit of a, a more serious way. But with regard to did it suddenly stop? Did the anti-Semites suddenly start loving Jews? Did, uh, is it over? Is it finished? We don't have to worry. We're going to go back to a more normal thing? Uh, you know, I wish I could say to you, I'm optimistic. But I have no reason to say that. You know, based on, on our history, based on everything that has happened, I, I, well, we shall see. We, we shall see. I, there's no way anyone can say w one way or the other. I can tell you that the anti-Semites are out there, the Jew haters are out there. They didn't uh, see the light, and suddenly they love the Jewish people, and they understand us, and so on and so forth. As far as do we go back to a more normal situation where, you know, there's anti-Semitism, but you know what? It's not to the point where people are talking about a future in America. Do we have a future in America? This is what was going on the last year. That's something that is still to be determined. But look, what's going on on college campuses all the whole time, yeah. uh, that, is, that, that has never stopped. What's going on in the United States Congress, you know, Bernie Sanders, thank God, uh, looks like, uh, you know, the past. You know, thank God. But, well, you know, is Biden going to bring in the, the Linda Sarsours and the Talebs and the Omars and the AOCs into the Democratic Party and cater to their wishes, which are detrimental to us? I, that's the big question right now. That, what's going to actually happen once the campaign gets back underway? And my, my feeling is that, uh, that uh, we're going to have a lot of problems, mm -hmm. a lot of problems with that. Okay, so let me. We're gonna to get to that in a minute, but let me go back a little bit. Um, you spent thirty-six years, you said, in in the assembly. That's correct. Okay, eighteen so, times I ran for re-election. Oh wow. Okay, so very quickly, if you can tell me, what do you think some of your biggest accomplishments were during that time? I think that uh, well, you know, my biggest accomplishment, and then I'll go to others is giving hope to people and being there for people. What do I mean by that? I mean, you know, there are a lot of elected officials, and I assume they're all wonderful and they all do good stuff. But I think we developed a reputation that we are there for people, that we will go to Senator Shira Sadin, that, you know, the impossible was never impossible to me. If I was fighting for someone, if there was a cause I'm talking about the average person that that was our reputation and I believe that's what we did I didn't accept no when an agency would say no and I believe that the person who had the problem the issue was correct we would fight for that person you know earlier you mentioned the islands on Fort Hamilton Parkway when you were younger yeah. uh, I mean that that to me is one of the great examples uh, of you know, and I'm actually writing a book, and this is one of the things that I, was absolutely amazing. You know, the city came in and did something on, on a thoroughfare in Barrow Park. 
They spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to do it because they were experts and they knew what was good for the people in the community. But they created a health hazard. They, they created a dangerous situation. And I went to war with the Department of Transport, uh, Transportation. Mayor Bloomberg uh, was the mayor at the time. We knew they made a mistake by what they did because uh, Hatsala ambulances that were rushing to the hospital couldn't get to the hospital because of these islands they created. Right. We went to war with the city. We did things day in and day out. We had the media down. We created to the point where one day I got a phone call from the commissioner, Sadiq Khan, that you wanted to see me. Now, all of my friends, everyone said to me, I remember Wolf Sender, who was the district manager of Board 12, said, Joe, don't waste your time. You know, this was done already. It's done. The mayor supports the commissioner, etc." And Baruch Hashem, you know, we, that commissioner called me, and I went to New York to her office, and she basically threw the towel in because we were right. We wouldn't give up. And one of my great moments was being on Ford Hamilton Parkway the day that these huge uh, tractor trailers, whatever they are, these huge, came to rip up the street to bring it back to where it was at one time. Not only was it endangering people, all the businesses on Ford Hamilton, the, the kosher bakery, the hardware store, etc., they were all losing 30 40% of their business. They took away parking spaces. So I think the number one thing that I'm proudest of is being there for people, people knowing that we were having the most amazing staff. Not, I'm only one person, but having an amazing staff where every person knew what was that they had to work for, for the Amcha. And by the way, it didn't matter if you were Jewish or Muslim or black, yellow, green. Those things never mattered. Everyone always knew, I'm a proud Jew, but we are there for every single person in the same way. So I think... You know, you ask the question, the number one thing is giving faith to people that here's a place you can come to that we will do the impossible if need be with God's help. Wow. And after 36 years of your hard work, why did you decide to leave? And this is a two-part question because after you decided to leave, everyone thinks, okay, Del Hyken's going to retire. And then he goes and starts a new organization and is way busier than before. Well... Well, so the reason I retired, and my, my answer my answer to everybody is 36 years. That's my, you know, because 36 years is a very, very long time. I thank Akadosh Baruch and I thank the community for supporting me. You know, I, I think in all of that time, I rarely ever had any kind of real opposition. And it's not because I threatened anybody, you know. I it, it was an amazing 36 years of being able to be there for people. I, you know, I tell people that being an elected official is probably the best job in the world if you take it seriously and you really want to do. Because what job do you have that every single day you can make a difference in people's lives? Right. I mean, how many jobs? Every right. single day. So, so after 36 years, I said, you know, I want to go on to other things. I wasn't thinking about anti-Semitism, because when I left uh, in December of 2018, uh, you know, there were things happening, but it wasn't like, oh my God, we're getting into a whole new phase. This is going to be a whole new world. I never expected that. But as January, February, March went on, and we saw what was going on, and I was, I had all these offers for, you know, making money, which was never the most important thing in my life, that's for sure. 
you know, being able to survive, being able to pay bills, being able to go to Eretz Yisrael, you know, doing trips. But, you know, money was never something that, you know, oh, I have this tremendous offer, let me grab it. But after I left office, there were a bunch of things that, uh, that uh, people approached me with that were very lucrative. But when Jews were being attacked, when I was watching videos of what was going on on 13th Avenue, even, by the way, in December of 2018, I remember one particular thing where a guy stopped his car starting beating up on a Jew. If you look at that video, it's like, you would think you were living in the 1930s. But be that as it may, as the months went by and I saw what was going on, how could I be quiet? How could I just sit back and issue a press release or maybe just say something? And, and as it uh, developed, and I had a very wonderful group of people that I was working with towards the end of the last few years when I was in office and some new people, <laughs> we put together an amazing group of talented people, you know, Betty Polachek and Israel Batone and people with tremendous talent. Uh, and we started reacting to things and speaking out and standing up and, 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 and doing these videos, which got tremendous, tremendous attention. Right. Uh, so <laughs> it wasn't something I planned. It was just, it was what was happening by reacting to it. And then after six, eight months, I have to tell you, it got out of control. We were getting, I mean, right before the coronavirus, I mean, I was traveling in different parts of the country. I was being paid $5,000 at different things to speak, not for myself. I didn't take any money for myself, ever, not one penny. But we were crazy busy. I had so many things going on, speaking on college. I was supposed to go back to Rutgers to speak to... Uh, uh, I was invited by Kufi, Christians United for Israel, oh, nice. to speak at Rutgers to say, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there were hundreds of invitations from everywhere, and it was just growing. Money was coming in. People were, people saw what we were doing. It wasn't the usual every day. You know, we condemn anti-Semitism. Okay, let's move on. We were there on the ground. We hit hard. We we were not, you know, we were bipartisan. It, you know, wasn't about Democrats, Republicans. You know, when uh, the mayor and the governor blamed Trump for the anti-Semitism uh, in New York, I was the one who went on national TV uh, at least maybe 70 different programs in a period of two weeks to say, wait a second. You know, you may not like Trump. You may want to criticize him. But what does he do have to do with anti-Semitism in the streets of Brooklyn? Right. Okay. So I mean, that's you know our derech. We we've we've uh, the people like Chuck Schumer, you know, I know very well. We we have challenged him publicly, and I and I know he's not very happy about it. Like, where are you? You know, the, uh, Schumer has always said all of his life, you know, that he's the Shomer Yisrael, that Schumer means Shomer. I've heard him say this a hundred times at a hundred different places. And we, we challenged him. Well, why, we're, we're, if you're the Shomer Yisrael, with everything going on in the Democratic Party, why are you silent? Why aren't you taking a stronger position? Right. Now, now I want to get to that, the whole Democratic Party, because you were always, you were a lifelong Democrat, right? Right. And I remember, I believe it was probably either before President Trump was elected or when he was president-elect, you came out and denounced him for something. I don't remember what it was, but 
Well, well, first of all, I did not, I did not support him in 2016. Right, but then there was a specific incident that you you called him out on something. I don't remember what it was exactly. Uh, I look, I don't know what it was, but I can tell you this: that while he's done an amazing job in terms of Eretz Yisrael in terms of the Jewish community, you know, I am bothered by some of his behavior. I have to tell you, and it's the reason I did not support him in 2016. I mean. You know, insulting people, denigrating people, uh, embarrassing people. It goes against all the values that we have in, in Judaism. Now, you also have to look at the whole picture, which I do look at right now. We'll see what happens with Biden. But the bottom line is that he has been, you know, we, we sometimes, you know, sometimes in politics you have to support someone and hold your nose. I'm, I'm not saying that about Trump at this moment, but I'm saying in general. In the case of Trump, there's no question he's been the best friend we've ever had. No question about it. It's not even close. That's not even a number two. If you go back to 1948, you go back to the Truman administration, and you go Eisenhower and Kennedy and Johnson and on and on and on. There have been some great presidents for Israel, but no one comes close to Trump. It's just the fact of life. I just wish that he would, uh, you know, his tweeting and some of the things he does and says are very detrimental and very, very, also I think dangerous. So that's a problem. But at the end of the day, if the choice is between uh, uh, the, the Linda Sassoors and the Talaibs and the Omars and some of the others in the Democratic Party, then, the, then there is no choice for any of us but Donald Trump. Right, and you seem, you seem to have developed a bit of a relationship with him. I mean, you always had one, but... I don't know, but no, no, no. no we have, we definitely have. I, I don't want to go into it now. I think uh, you know we'll see. You'll, I think people will see when the time comes. Uh, a few months before the election. Look, I've been to Florida a couple of times to speak at different groups, including uh, Republican clubs, Jewish groups all over that have invited me. Uh, you know, I look. We have, look. He's tweeted a couple of times about me, thanking me for things that I've said. Yeah, yeah. But uh, so, uh, so I, I look. I do have a relationship with some of his people, uh, with him, uh, and uh, you know, we'll see what happens as we move on. I, I, Biden is of great concern to me. I mean, you know, uh, people who want another uh, what, what the next four years of of Barack Obama, I think Biden is perfect. Right. And Barack Obama wasn't uh, terrible for the Jews, but it wasn't that great either. Well, you know, you know, after listening to Bernie Sanders and watching what's happened to the Democratic Party, Obama looks better and better, if you think about it. Because, uh, look, P- P- Sanders and people following him were being critical of Obama. Forget about it. I mean, they were right. being critical of, of Barack Obama. So, uh, you know, the world has changed. The Democratic Party has changed. Uh, thank God, Baruch Hashem, that Bernie Sanders is not going to be the candidate. I mean, Baruch Hashem. Yeah. But, but he's already accomplished most of what he wanted. And the big question is going to be, Biden knows he needs the Bernie Sanders supporters. Will he ever get them? I don't know. But the question is going to be, how far is he going to go to try to get them? Right. How far is he going to go? Is he going to be uh, Sanders' light or what? I don't know. We'll, we'll find out. 
And do you think there's any way that the Democratic Party can be saved? Like, I know it must hurt you a lot to see your party going this direction. Do you think it's going to turn around? Do you think uh, it's it's just going to continue? Yeah. So let me let me let, let you know. You you mentioned the Democratic Party. My party. Look, I am a Jew before I am a Democrat, Republican, or anything else. And I say this openly, publicly to Jews, to Goyim. I'm a Jew. I'm a proud Jew. There's nothing wrong with that. And I and I always make sure to add, you know, that this is the greatest country in the world. But uh, it's not about being a Democrat or a Republican. It's looking at you know, uh, the, the policies and where we are and where we're going. And, you know, there's, there's, there's a Jewish state with six and a half million Jews with a lot of people who would like to destroy that place with our people. And we need friends and we need people who are going to be there for us. Uh, and whoever that's going to be, that's who we should support. This is not a, a debate about abortion. But this is not a, a debate about gay marriage. You know, we can go this way, we can go that way. This is fundamental to us, and and we should look at it that way. The survival and the well-being of the people of Eretz Israel is very important, and having that relationship with the United States is absolutely critical. Look what happened to the Democratic Party with Bernie Sanders. You had Elizabeth Warren. You had so many of the others who were following that line. They wouldn't support an anti-BDS resolution in the United States Congress. I mean, you know, Bernie Sanders has had a tremendous impact already on the Democratic Party. Wow. And it's not good for the Jewish people. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like, it's really mind-blowing to me how, how some Jewish people can support Bernie. I mean, that's pretty much over, but it was just very hard yeah. to understand. Well, there were, look, the truth is there weren't many. If you look at Florida as an example... Uh, where, uh, where Biden absolutely blew uh, Sanders away. The Jewish community there, at least between Biden and Sanders, Sanders did incredibly poorly, very, very poorly. By the way, I don't know if you know that in Michigan, uh, Bernie Sanders lost Taleb's district, Rashida Taleb's district. Yeah, I, I read that. That's amazing. I mean, that is amazing. So, look, well, you know, Right now, everything is on hold. We don't, you know, but soon in the next month, six weeks, you know, we're going to find out, you know, where Biden is going. But even forgetting about Biden uh, in, uh, embracing some of Bernie's people, I mean, the bunch of anti-Semites that he's attracted. I mean, the irony of it, by the way, just think of it, the irony that the Jew who says he's a proud Jew, by the way, Bernie Sanders says he's a proud Jew. Right is the one that has done more to undermine Israel than any other person in the last 50 years. Incredible. He is the candidate that has attracted every anti-Semite imaginable on the left. On the left. Yeah. Isn't it fascinating? I mean, he, he embraces Linda Sassur, who's a, such a hater of, of Jews. and I mean, the things that she has said, oh my goodness. How's it possible? So we're going to find out if you know, where Biden is, then I have very little hope. Mm-hmm. Okay, and tell me a little bit about your, your spat with AOC. Well, that was, uh, that was one of the great moments in the last year, remarkable, and, and really so Yad Hashem, because it all began with the, uh, the, you know, her remarks about concentration camps. 
illegal aliens uh, oh, right, being yeah. treated so she, like she they were. The, the concentration camps. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The so, border patrol was treating uh, immigrants from Mexico. Precisely, and that's that's where the you know I was I went after her, and I always went after her in an appropriate way, strongly, but never crossing the line. So I remember I was in Eretz I think it was in August of uh, last year, and it's this is incredible. The, in one day, the Court of Appeals ruled against uh, President Trump, if you remember, because he was blocking people from his Twitter account. So the right. Court of Appeals unanimously ruled against the president. That very same day, so they ruled it's that, incredible. that he was violating people's First Amendment rights because they couldn't tweet. Anything. Exactly, okay. exactly, precisely. That was a First Amendment issue. Yeah. So that same day, AOC decided to block me. And that same day, I was in Israel, seven hours difference. That same day, working with my people, we got a bunch of lawyers uh, uh, who took the case pro bono, who filed papers in federal court in the same day. And it became, as you know, a, 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 an international story. I mean, the, the, you know, my going after her, on this issue, remember, I you know I don't care about her Twitter account. I mean, but you know this was a chance to deal with the issue. Uh, it, it was a huge story, and then it ended six, seven months later with her actually apologizing to me. I mean, she apologized. She had no choice because otherwise she would have been in federal court having to explain to a federal judge why she violated my uh, constitutional rights. Right. Were so you it looking was, forward it was to going to, to going to court and facing her? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, sure. Of course. So, I was uh, in court. I, I was on the stand actually being questioned by the judge uh, weeks before, and that's when the judge said I, because she had some of her people, her campaign manager, testify, and the judge was uh, asked the following question: Why did AOC block Dove Hyken? What did Dove Hyken do that? And the campaign manager, her campaign manager, couldn't explain it. So he said, will AOC come to court? And she, her people said yes. So that was going to be the big moment. But she knew she could not respond. She knew she, there was no way she would be able to deal with it. So uh, four or five days before, she threw the towel in, and we demanded an apology from her. And, and she you, did, of course. Weren't you a little disappointed that you didn't get to face her? Oh, of course, of course, uh, absolutely. That would have been amazing. Yeah, but, that would have uh, been something. But look, that would have been something. I, I think everyone in the media would have enjoyed. But look, we for for six months, throughout that six months, there were stories, you know, uh, about this confrontation between me and her. Uh, it got such unbelievable attention all over the country and beyond. So, you know, that's good for our cause. And we won at the end of the day. Now, it was only a battle, and there are so many battles. Mm -hmm. Okay, so if you have a couple more minutes, I have just a couple more questions, if that's okay. Sure. Um, regarding the battles you're talking about, what is Americans Against Antisemitism? This is the organization that you founded. What are you doing? What are you trying to do? And, and let's hear about that. Well, what, everything we've done this past year has been under the banner of Americans Against Anti-Semitism. So, now, I mean, number one, as I pointed out, it's to speak in a clear voice. 
it's not to be afraid to call out those who are indulging in hate, whether they are on the left, whether they are on the right, whoever they are, wherever they are, to say it unequivocally, clearly, not to beat around the bush, and that's exactly what we have done all year, whether it's on television, in the newspapers, on social media, the things we've done on social media have, many of our things have received tremendous, tremendous attention, uh, so that's number one. Number two, we are working with a group of lawyers as the coronavirus hit. No Jewish student on any, any college campus should ever be afraid to, to have a Star of David on their neck, to be able to talk about their position on Israel in a classroom, to be able to hold and sponsor events. Jewish students on college campuses should not be afraid. And if they are made to fear and the university is not addressing it, then we need to deal with it. And we, we, we met with an amazing group of lawyers nationally who came to us, by the way, reached out to us, that they want to work with us to deal with these cases. So we were just getting started, and that's what we're going to be doing. You know, I've been reading for years about college students being intimidated, Columbia University, NYU, uh, Kingsborough Community College, Queens College, Brooklyn College, I myself was involved in many, many, uh, in many issues there involving professors. Uh, this should not be the case. Right. The federal government gives tons of money to universities. Universities have an obligation to address this issue. So that's another, that's another area we're going to be seriously involved in. Another thing is a high school curriculum on anti-Semitism that we are already working on that is different from anything else. I started speaking at, at uh, high schools. I, I was at Ramadan Masifta in the five towns. I intend to go to countless high schools. I want to talk to the kids in 10th, 11th grade, 12th grade. The kids, most of these kids are going on to college. They need to be better equipped to be able to deal with the things they're going to be confronted with at universities. So that's an area that's very, very important that we're going to be very, very involved involved in. So, you know, there, there's there's a lot to do. We'll see what happens after the coronavirus. I'll advise there should be a miracle that the coronavirus got rid of more than one virus, okay? <laughs> uh, also the virus of anti-Semitism, I wish. Yeah. Uh, but, again, I, I really uh, don't have much hope for that, but we shall see soon enough. Okay, and you said you're working on a book? Well, that's a separate thing that I've been working on for a long time. Uh, but, you know, everything that I've been doing is actually taken away from that. But, uh, yeah, I, I look, I'm working on a book that goes back to the days that I first, you know, my family, uh, you know, I don't know if you know, I grew up in a uh, Visionets Bells environment. I went to Visionets and Bells as a kid. Uh, there's a lot of interesting stuff in growing up in Williamsburg. I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was actually in Visionets and in Bells until I went to Tar Vidas starting in seventh grade uh, through base measures. But look, I got my initial training in vision and belts. Wow. Okay. Um, quickly, when, when you chose to retire, you uh, sort of promoted somebody to be your successor. How do you go about choosing yes, someone sure. like that? And how do you like, how do you vet out the right people? And tell me a little bit about that. Well, 
Well, that, well it's a, well, first of all, it's a difficult thing. Uh, but Simcha Eichelstein, I knew for years uh, prior, and he worked in government. He worked for the state controller. He worked for the mayor. You know, he was he worked in Albany lobbying for the mayor, dealing with people. And it was a beautiful thing seeing a guy like him walking the, uh, you know, walking the, the corridors of Albany and meeting with people and dealing with people. So he was interested in running. Uh, I didn't search him out. He was interested for years. And he came to me uh, uh, back in uh, February of 2018 in my office in Albany, and he said the following to me. He said, look, I'm interested in running, but I will not run if you are going to run for re-election. I told him shortly thereafter that I will not be running for re-election, that I'd be, I'd be thrilled if he was the candidate. I mean, there aren't too many. Look, it's, I just want to say this. It's not about being an Orthodox Jew and automatically we should all support you because you're an Orthodox Jew. You've got to be a committed Jew to the Jewish people, to be there for the Jewish people, to be, not to be afraid to stand up, and to help people. You know, most of the staff that uh, Simcha has are people who worked for me, one of them for close to 30, I'm sorry, over 30 years. Another one, Dove Kron, over 10 years. I mean, amazing. Uh, all my people were amazing, but he took two of the best, and they just continued, and it was the smartest thing uh, that he could possibly do because these people are dedicated, devoted. They they go with Nimishir Sadin, no question about it. And he's and and Silka's a good guy. I mean, at the end of the day, he's just a he's a good guy. And I've actually gone to him for help for some people, and he came through with flying colors. He really did. Oh, really? And do you do you advise him along the way? So the answer is yes. You know, he has uh, reached out to me on many occasions, even on the anti-Semitism. At one point, uh, we met in my home, Jaeger, Eichenstein, uh, uh, Deutsch, and Simcha was involved on the phone. But we all met to talk. And, and look, you, you know, look, I, I want these elected officials, that, especially at that time, they should have united and done things as a group. It was, it was a very powerful group of people if they only would have taken advantage. But, uh, you know, I, I talk to all of them. We deal, in, especially when it comes to very, very important issues. Mm -hmm. Okay, and what's your advice to young people uh, going into activism who want to be successful? I, it's very, very simple. Uh, look, people who want to be active, you, you know, then automatically those people are people who care. Those are people who are passionate. I would say to people, never give up, never be discouraged. You will, you know, for every person in the world, there's a, an opinion. And, uh, you know, people, uh, you know, I've been lucky to a great extent that people have always been very grateful for things I do, uh, uh, especially involving Claudia Yisrael. I appreciate it. But, you know, if, if you care, if you're passionate, be strong. Always remember what I said to you before is that only think of what Hashem would want you to do. If you would use that as a measurement, then you can't go wrong and you'll be able to accomplish great things. And being a public official, I just want to go back, is the greatest thing you could possibly do if you do it right. If you do it for the right reasons, there's no other job in the world that gives you the opportunity to do chesed 
every single day of your life and more. Wow. Okay, and the final last question. If there was anybody you could meet, anybody throughout history, alive or dead, who would you have wanted to meet? Uh, well, can I give you two people? Sure. The more the merrier. I would say David Amelech. Okay, King David. Yeah. And the other person the other person will surprise you would be Abraham Lincoln. That doesn't surprise me. Abraham you. Lincoln. Okay. Well, Abraham Lincoln is one of the most... Uh, I have read more books about Abraham Lincoln. I mean, I would say dozens. Uh, I used to say about Abraham Lincoln that they should teach Abraham Lincoln in every yeshiva. What does that mean? His middos and how he treated people. I mean, you got, I, it's, it's a very, you got to read a lot. The, the guy was an extraordinary figure and uh, someone that I admire. And, and uh, by the way, anyone who would ask me anywhere and tell anywhere, you know, Abraham Lincoln is the first name I would mention. You know, saying David HaMelech is because I look at David HaMelech and all the things that he wrote, the beauty of, you know, all the things. And, and he was one of the great, great figures. I mean, look, at could say Moshe Rabbeinu. You know, that's even more remote. You know, of course, it'd be great to meet Moshe Rabbeinu. But I think David Amelech for the Jewish world, but generally, Abraham Lincoln is a, sort of a towering figure in my life because of his midos, because of his midos. Ben Adam Leodem. That's very nice. And I, I know you are also wonderful about midos, and you've done so much for the community, the Jewish community, the, the general community in New York and in the United States and all over the world. Thank you so, so much for your time. Thank you for your service. We all appreciate it. And may God give you much Thank success you in the future. Thank you so much and I look forward to continuing to talk to you and working together with you as well. Amen. Thank you so, so much. Take care. All the best. Take care. Be safe. That was Dove Hikend. It was an interview and conversation that I enjoyed immensely. Really had fun doing it. I'm glad that he came on the show and I appreciate it to share his story with our listeners. And I hope that we will have many more such interviews in the future. Now, before we go, last week there was a anniversary for the You Are Not A Goat podcast celebrating one year and thousands of listeners. I wanted to do a giveaway to show my appreciation to you guys. And because everyone's home, People are probably reading a little bit more, so I want to send out some books to listeners. Three people are going to win. All you got to do if you have not yet taken part in this giveaway is send me an email with a screenshot of your review on the iTunes store. So please leave us a review on the iTunes store if you enjoy this podcast. Five stars, nothing less will be accepted. And send me a screenshot of your review either on Instagram at Chusadol, Twitter at Chusadol, Facebook at Chusadol, or you can send it to me via email, youarenotagoat at gmail.com. Send me the screenshot and three people will win books, books which I have read, books which I approve of, and books which can change your life. I have some awesome ideas for people who want to read a little bit, really good stuff that can improve your life in a drastic and amazing fashion. So, Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for telling your friends about it. The podcast is growing like crazy. More listeners than ever before. Stay safe. Be healthy. Stay home. 
eat lots of food because that helps with the stress. And uh, other than that, have a wonderful week. We will see you later on with another episode. Goodbye. You are not a goat. The podcast for you.